0: Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with on Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Imig, from 88.9. This is Urban Spelunking, our Milwaukee history and architecture podcast, supported by Midwest Stairs and Iron. Nate here with Bobby Tanzillo, and today we're in the Walker's Point neighborhood, Bobby, talking about a, a building um, that really tells the story of Walker's Point, all in one building. It's on Fifth and National, right next to what used to be La Perla. So it's a building you've if you spent any time on Fifth Street, which is one of the big uh, main drags in Walker's Point. You, you pass this building. It's currently the home of a uh, a plant store and a hair salon called Folia. But it has all this neighborhood history and 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 really tells the story of Walker's Point, which is so interesting. So Bobby, let's talk about I guess like what's there now. What's what's the present day.
1: Okay. Well, it's this beautiful. What I love is there's so many aspects to this because it's just this like little um, cream city brick retail building on fifth and national uh, right behind where the ballet used to be. Yes, and yes. Um, it's just, a, it's been fixed up really nicely. The current owner Dieter Wegner did a really good job of renovating it and fixing it up. It's beautiful. I mean, if you look at it, it's a beautiful building, but there's so many of that stretch of fifth street that you still might look past it because it's just, it's not a big imposing building or anything like that but it's got as you said earlier it's got sort of aspects of it really reflects all of the different eras and changes that the neighborhood went through it was built in the 1870s by a guy who had run a blacksmith shop on the site but goes into real estate you know so he's this German immigrant who um, you know starts with his initial trade but as he comes to America he realizes there's other ways to make money that are probably a little less uh, you know, dangerous to your lungs. (laughs) And so he goes into real estate and he builds this new building and starts renting it out. And it's like a shop and it's got all these different neighborhood uses, like retail uses for a while. Um, But then it also reflects the changing ethnicity in the, you know, in the 1920s, it becomes a heavily, it starts to become a heavily Mexican neighborhood and the building really becomes like the main focal point of that community. Um, And then, later on after that moves on and then there's some businesses in there for a while, but it starts to kind of take on an almost industrial vibe. It's the windows get boarded up. It's no longer really sort of a forward facing business. It becomes, um, I mean, it's still active, but it reflects the way the neighborhood had taken on that sort of desolate looking vibe for a while. Um, and then now it's back and it's been, you know, in the last 20 or 30 years, it's been home to some, uh, like one especially important Milwaukee business. And now it's home to this new business that it's run by these two women who are opened during the pandemic, but are remain super optimistic and they're, they're very outgoing and they're clearly smart and they know what they're doing and they're working hard to establish a business at, at this rough time. So it's kind of interesting that this one little building kind of encompasses all of this.
0: This building tells you so much about the history of Walker's Point. And uh, it really becomes an anchor institution in fact, inside this building once was home to the Our Lady of Guadalupe mission, which as, as, as you might know is a real anchor institution. It's the main the main uh, church in, in the neighborhood right now, one of the main one of the biggest churches in the neighborhood. So we're going to talk more about the roots of Our Lady of Guadalupe plus we're gonna find out some of the uh, other interesting tenants that were in this building over the years. I'll give you one hint. Uh, it, it involves fake fruit. And, and we're not kidding. <laughs> That's next on Urban Spelunking. Has your car been hibernating in your garage all winter? Donate it to Radio Milwaukee. Running or not, your car, truck, or even
1: boat can support this podcast. Go to RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to schedule your pickup. Did you know that the majority of 88.9's work is funded by members? That's why we can bring you such diverse programming through music, stories, and this podcast. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart to become a member today.
0: And we are back on Urban Spelunking on 5th and National in the Walkers Point neighborhood. All right, so we mentioned uh, fake fruit came out of this building. That was one of the more more, uh, silly things, I guess, one of the sillier details of this. Although I'm sure they took the fake fruit very seriously, I was
1: going to say, if you're, if, you know, let's not be insulting to the fake fruit makers <laughs> of the world. <laughs> Where but, would uh, we be without fake decorative fruit?
0: There's this neighborhood connection to this to this building, the Our Lady of Guadalupe Mission. Um, so, I mean, you want to start there? Like, what 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 was so consequential about that?
1: Well, because I mean, there had been this whole history before that, but of just sort of a variety of different kinds of shops and businesses coming and going. And um, but what really happens is, you know, in the 1920s. Um, Mexican immigrants start to come to Milwaukee to work in the mm-hmm. tanneries and other industries like that. And they start to settle kind of around Walker's Point. And, you know, the the pastor at the the nearby church, Holy Trinity, which is just a block north and a block east of our site, um, starts to hear Spanish being spoken more in the neighborhood um, and invites the neighborhood to come in to Holy Trinity's school building and use the gym there uh, as a place to have Spanish language services. So they start to do that, okay. but it's it quickly outgrows that. And so they work together um, with the Archdiocese to find this building, which is the building we're talking about today. Um, and they buy it with the help of Knights of Columbus and Market University. A bunch of people kind of chip in to buy the building, spend the money to fix it up, provide donate pews, that sort of thing. Um, and it becomes basically the place where um, – mexican-americans worship in the neighborhood you know and it's and they stay there for about it's opens in 1926 they stay there for 19 years before they get too big even for that building Then um, they briefly move down to another building in walker's point closer to the um Ellen bradley clock tower okay um but in about 20 years they outgrow that and you know the at this point 1966 um at holy trinity there's about 300 Spanish-speaking families and about 180 English-speaking families at Holy Trinity. So, what happens is the archdiocese merges, officially merges Guadalupe and Holy Trinity into one parish at the big church um, on Fourth Street. So, you know, if you go down there now, Holy Trinity Our Lady Guadalupe is is the main Catholic church for that part of the neighborhood, and it really, you know, the Our Lady of Guadalupe part of that really traces its roots to the building that we're talking about
0: that is so fascinating and and you know why just another another building that has this amazing story that has this this neighborhood connection that really anchored the neighborhood and we're talking like hundreds of families that were connected to to this building and this mission our lady of guadalupe um and it all stemmed from this building you know just sit next to what used to be uh la perla on 5th and national you know just and it's yeah. not a, it's not a huge building either it's a
1: no two stories And it's interesting because the, the, the women who own the salon um, invited me to come over and do a story on it. And they, you know, I mean, to them, it was just an interesting old building that was attractive, you know, a nice building, but they didn't know about the Our Lady of Guadalupe thing even. So it was, it's just goes back to our theory that there's something interesting lingering in pretty much every building in this town, right? I mean, they, they didn't say come down and see the, the birthplace of this important, you know, uh, neighborhood landmark. They are like, just come see our nice building. And this is what we found when we got there. It's just, it's pretty amazing.
0: And, and the inside is, is just, is really beautiful now. I mean, folia is this combination like hair salon and plant store. It's really modern and beautiful looking on the inside. And we should also mention too that the Our Lady of Guadalupe slash Trinity Church we've mentioned is another building that you've written extensively about, Bobby. And we've we've spelunked here on urban spelunking, so the super fans might remember that conversation. Oh uh, yeah, and
1: and as a as a schoolhouse guy, I have to point out that that schoolhouse that's at Holy Trinity, which is where the uh, the Spanish language masses were first held, is actually the oldest schoolhouse in the city, I believe.
0: Oh, really? Okay. We'll have to, uh, have to remember to put some links there on the uh, the post that accompanies this podcast. All right, so we got to go back to the fake fruit before we go. Oh, no, <laughs> we have to
1: do – well, before the fake fruit, I want to lead up to the fake fruit because we have to tell people that this is also the birth, birthplace of the Brass Light Gallery, which um, is now um, on St. Paul – closer to downtown, like on edge, on the edge of the valley and, and downtown, but Brass light Gallery, Steve Kaniuski started his business when he was in his twenties in this building. He bought this building, started fixing up antique light fixtures and that sort of thing and started selling them out of this building. And until about 1991, this building was both where he had his uh, shop that he did the repairs and the retail shop where he sold um, the light fixtures to people. And now that, you know, that's a, a, Business that's been going for like forty
0: years now. Yeah, I always plus. see. I always see. Uh, you can see their sign from the freeway, I believe, and I have yeah. got commercials on TV. And it seems like a, just a great local business that is really specializing in those antique light fixtures. Which you know, Milwaukee's as, as you've learned, Bobby, from from your stories. Uh, we've got tons of uh, really great original architecture and details that, when these these homes are deconstructed, uh, get salvaged, and um, right. that's part of what what Brass Light does.
1: And Steve also, you know, deserves credit for like sort of uh, moving this building along because I think when he got it, it, it needed a lot of work, and he put a lot of energy into fixing it up. And you know, it's not clear that it would even be with us today if he had not done that work. So he basically uh, sort of took care of it and passed it on. <laughs> and then, so even after Brasslight moved to another location in Walker's Point, right across the street from the eighty-eight-nine studios. Um, he kept this building and and used it as his repair shop. So after after Brass Light moves on at some point during those uh, years, it gets, you know, the front windows are boarded up again. I mean, it's not boarded up because it's abandoned, but it's just they're closed up, you know. Um, And there are apparently businesses in there because when the current owner bought it, he said he found remnants of a recording studio there. And he also found the remnants of the fake decorative fruit, well, it's real decorative fruit, fake fruit for decorative purposes. Uh he found remnants of that business going on there as well.
0: We don't have a ton of information on the fake fruit, it does sound like, but just the fact that like what a just a detail you'd never expect to be added to this building, right? I mean you think about everything we talked about the the brass the brass light gallery, the uh Our Lady of Guadalupe mission, of course the the present day folia salon and plant store. And then turns out they made fake fruit there as well.
1: And for all we know this building's relationship to the world of fake fruit is even more important than those other things. We don't know the person who is making the fake fruit in there could have been like the Michelangelo. Uh, right. Fake fruit, right. We don't know. It's a mystery. It remains we'll have a to mystery. update. If you were the maker of the f- fake fruit in this place, please call us.
0: Please. Yes. We yes. want to. We want to be on that fake fruit story. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, uh, we're, we're having some fun with that because I think it, it kind of shows you what Walker's point has always been um, and how it's changed over the years where you know there there's there were lots of family businesses there and lots of these little commercial buildings and manufacturing absolutely. things and all these you know whenever we that that always strikes me Bobby when I'm reading some of your pieces about you know how how manufacturing used to be so different and how you could have a whole business making fake fruit in Walker's Point, right. Milwaukee and and, and you. probably doing just fine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Although maybe you had to have a recording studio on the side. We don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, this uh, this building—we've been talking a lot about buildings that have been ha, are like on, are on their last leg and are going to be torn down. This building is the opposite of that. It's it's uh, it goes back to the 1880s. You said
1: 1870s, even, even even earlier. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: So it is not for- going
1: anywhere, as far as we can tell, thankfully. And I have to—I should shout out Dieter Wagner too, who owns this building and owns a few other properties in the neighborhood. He's uh, including a building that we wrote about—the guy who was the ship's chandler.
0: Ah, yes, the Chandler, yes. Where
1: where Reggie Baylor had his studio for a while, had his uh, gallery for a while on Florida Street. Um, He co-owns that building as well. And so he owns a number of buildings. He's really into history, really into beautiful old buildings. So he owns like, I don't know exactly how many, but roughly five-ish, beautiful 19th century buildings, all of which he's fixed up. And, you know, like he's really a boon to the neighborhood in that he takes these gorgeous buildings that, you know, might just be left to rot. Uh, and he fixes them up and and gets new tenants in them, and it, he really deserves credit for that.
0: Well, Bobby, just so grateful that that you're here documenting these stories and you know introducing us to to folks like him who who maybe operates behind the scenes and most people don't know. I'm I'm so glad we can talk about about his his passions here and your passions for Milwaukee history in this well, podcast.
1: And you know what we didn't talk about last week when we talked about the St. Lawrence Seaway is that I am here because of the St. Lawrence
0: Seaway. Well, you gotta you gotta finish that up. What, what do you mean? Well,
1: <laughs> well, my did you arrive dad, in
0: a shipping container, or what do you mean? No, no, no. But my dad,
1: my dad is from New York City, and my mom is from Milwaukee, and they met when my dad was in the Marines, and when he was in the Marines, he was on one of the Navy ships that came in to the Great Lakes as part of the opening ceremonies for the. St. Lawrence Seaway in 1959 and he and the other Marines staged a a sort of fake marine landing on the beach in Milwaukee. They, you know, they came in on those boats where the front like flaps down and the guys all run out through the water onto the beach.
0: Oh my goodness. And he
1: met and he met my mom while he was here.
0: Wow. So that's I wouldn't have the St. Lawrence Seaway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just the fact that there was all that fanfare too when when the St. Lawrence Seaway opened up the, the, the Queen of England. I mean the the literal queen of England was here that's yeah that's a little bonus if you if you listen to last week's episode if you didn't (laughs) uh, go back and listen we talked about how the St. Lawrence Seaway was constructed and how Milwaukee connected to that find that at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts and while you're there definitely take a moment to subscribe to Urban Spelunking so you never miss an episode podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support, of course, from your membership from Midwest Stairs and Iron and from On Milwaukee. You can subscribe to this podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org slash podcast. And we ask if you could take just a moment to to rate and review the podcast. That helps us get it out to even more folks. Bobby Tanzel, talk to you soon. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Nate.